1: I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite Lorecast on the Citadel.
2: Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast. The podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is your source for everything Mass Effect, and uh, you may have noticed the intro changed a little bit on this episode. This is your host, Tom, or Robots, and I'm here, as usual, with my good buddy, Sam, N7, the legend. Sam, welcome back to the show. Uh, Did you notice something different on the intro?
3: You know, uh, I sure did. (laughs) <laughs> and that voice that you just heard in the intro was none other than Mark Meir, also known as Solomon Gunn, a.k.a. Opald, a.k.a. Niftu Kal, the Biotic God. And, you know, he's also been called the Lion of Elysium, the Avatar of Victory, the hero of Eden Prime, Broshep, the first human specter, Shepherd Commander, a.k.a. Commander Shepard himself. That's crazy, right? He's worn a lot of hats in the Milky Way, everything from voicing all of the Hanar to the Vorcha to our favorite Volus and to Commander Shepard. And I am ecstatic to say that he can also add... Mass Effect Lorecast onto his IMDb list (laughs) of appearances now because we got the chance to talk to Mark about one of his favorite scenes in the whole game and how it relates to in seven
2: day. Yes. So um, I'm going to play it again real quick, just in case, just in case you're one of those people who just kind of skips over the intro just to get to the juicy bits. Here's here's the quote.
1: I'm Commander Shepard. And this is my favorite lore cast on the Citadel.
2: That's it right there. That's it. Holy crap. Holy crap. Man, yeah. you guys, you guys, you will not believe the uh, the DMs going back and forth between me and Sam this week as this was developing. Uh, and we couldn't wait to tell you guys because this was like... You know like i'm sure sam i'm sure you were telling people that you knew uh your significant other you know i'm I'm telling my wife i'm like hey guess guess what sam's working on Uh, and we're all geeking out and stuff and we're like oh my god we can't tell anybody yet we can't tell anybody yet (laughs) biting our teeth and stuff and then and then it worked out man this is so cool and yeah man we're, we're his favorite lore cast on the citadel that's freaking amazing
3: i i uh I think I like cried a little inside (laughs) when I when I heard that and um, it it was like a dream come true. Unironically, it really was. Um, But you know that it is it is kind of crazy, right? We got to kind of sort of interview Commander Shepard on in seven day. Right. Um, So although he's extremely busy, he was able to patch in to our quantum entanglement
2: communicator. And give us his thoughts on the show's topic tonight. Right. So we'll be getting to that later on. That That's the little the voice clip that he gave us answering one of the questions is going to come up on the second half of the show because it's going to tie into the topic for today's episode. So stay tuned for that. But first, we have to get into today's episode and the topic that we will be discussing. So why don't we just dive in? Because I know everybody's going to be waiting to hear his take on that topic, because, of course, who better to dive into actually getting into Commander Shepard's perspective on something himself than one of the two Commander Shepherds themselves. Right. Right, Sam? Yeah, so exactly. Um, so what are we talking about today?
3: So. Uh, Well, we go live every Sunday, you know, and so when I was planning our schedule, it just so worked. It it worked out too perfectly, you know, to resist. And of course, I had to make our in seven day episode all about it's all about its namesake, the heroes in the in seven special forces program. Mm -hmm. So We are all familiar with the letters in seven, right? They're smack dab on Shepard's uniform right on the chest uh, with the iconic uh, red little uh, stripe there. And it seems not so many other people's uniforms have the same design. That's because in seven is the highest tier of special forces designation that a service member in the systems Alliance military can achieve. And these are the best of the best. They have endured trials that would break most people. When the alliance needs soldiers with unparalleled battlefield expertise and a mind as sharp as an omniblade, they turn to the graduates of the N Seven program. Put quite simply, they are the best humanity has to offer.
2: Yes, and they're also really good chefs. That's a little known fact. They have, they have to pass, they, That's they also have to pass a you know a chef a culinary. Yes, that's one of the yeah, side. That's an elective program. But,
3: they have an Iron Chef competition there at the end. Yeah. And yeah. like a souffle like, out of rocks.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. They, they're given <laughs> they're given twigs and rocks and just like random assortment of like things. Never mind. Just move. Yeah. That, that part's not as important as the other part. So we'll just focus on the other parts for now.
3: <laughs> so, uh, basically, N7 is a vocational code for the Alliance Military. You know, every job in the Alliance Military has a letter and a number attached to it, similar to state militaries around the world today, like the military occupational specialty codes within the U.S. Uh, Army. In this case, N stands for Special Forces, and the number it signifies proficiency. So seven is the highest level of proficiency there is. And in real life, the N7 came from somewhere much more mundane. People might be interested to know if they don't already know that the game's art director got some inspiration from none other than a ski binding, the Look (laughs) N77 ski binding. (laughs) That is where the N7 comes from. And uh, we actually have uh, a photo. Uh, I don't know if Tom can bring it up, but the N77 ski binding you can kind of see it in the, uh, in the font. There's definitely a resemblance there, right? Um, but it's not like a spitting image. So mm-hmm. they dropped the seven, they worked it around uh, some different design elements. And in fact, the red stripe in the N7 actually signifies the blood that Shepard has to spare in the sacrifice to pursue uh, Saren. Oh, and oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so there's some real cool, uh, real cool symbolism there, and the and the red stripe is also iconic of the same red stripe that astronaut commanders would wear on their uniform. Hmm. Okay. So there's some cool, uh, cool parallels there as well. But the coveted designation itself. Doesn't come from a ski binding. <laughs> it actually <laughs> comes only after soldiers can graduate from something called the Interplanetary Combatives Training Program. And it's made up of seven dead or six deadly courses, rather. I'm sorry, actually seven, because it goes from in one to in six. The Interplanetary Combatives Academy is located in Villa Militar in Rio de Janeiro uh, which would be modern day Brazil. I'm not sure if Brazil exists in its current, you know, nation state format in the mass effect universe. Uh, but by the way, this is a real neighborhood, uh, Vila Militar. It, it actually does exist. I was curious. So I looked it up on Wikipedia and it turns out that it does exist. No, there is not a, uh, ridiculously competitive military academy there to my knowledge. (laughs) However, there could be a secret one. I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, The Academy in Mass Effect recruits the top officers from every single branch of Earth's militaries. And they pour in from every corner to compete in the world's most daunting combat training exercises. So Mm -hmm. exactly what they do, it differs on how many times they've been to the Academy and how many times they've passed the previous level of training. I'll run through them basically. The first time, they're trained by elite units of the world's most, you know, like uh, foremost land based armies. Think of like Delta Force. And according to the Codex, a year one recruit can train more than 20 hours a day. 20 hours a day. That's insane. They're getting they what? Sleep? Three hours of sleep then? Holy crap. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, and, And they're leading squads in combat in hostile terrain with little sleep or food. The service members who excel here are awarded the N1 designation and they can return to the school to then focus on their combat class. Those combat classes take place between N2 and N6 levels of training. This is where things start to get effing nuts.
2: Like Like, like, like it wasn't already, (laughs) like,
3: (laughs) right. As if it wasn't nuts (laughs) enough already. These courses are often held off planet at facilities like those on Arcturus and Jupiter's moon Europa. And they're filled with stuff like zero gravity combat, parachuting, jetpack flights, scuba diving, linguistics, and even frontline trauma care. Get this for both humans and aliens. Mm -hmm. So that explains the metagel system, I think. Yeah. Right. Because Shepard's got the metagel and you're, oh, how are you healing like aliens and humans at the
2: same time? Well, he's been trained in it. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, if you're going to send somebody off planet to do stuff, then they better be trained in alien biology. Oh yeah, for
3: sure. Uh, you know they they, uh, they they should probably know who their squad is with, and not just their squad, but their local fixers, things like that, right? Mm-hmm. So, N six is the highest grade of training, and it puts service members in actual combat scenarios. Like, so this is training, but it's putting them in real conflict zones throughout the galaxy. Like like shots are actually being fired; they might actually die. Yeah. And, and uh, from day one, you know, in in the N6 training and the very end, the coup de gras, right? Trainees are given basically little to no gear, very basic gear. And then they're stranded on an asteroid with no navigation data, no Google maps, no Apple maps, no maps at all. Uh You're just on an asteroid, very little gear. Uh And as if that's not scary enough you know you might be wondering what the criteria is it's like past a that reality test.
2: show right like this is like they're filming them there's like a film crew and they drop them off on some asteroid somewhere like naked uh not naked quite and afraid not super afraid because they're they're trained right but maybe a little naked afraid? and dauntless naked yeah right and, and they're like <laughs> okay macgyver your way out of here good luck Naked and unafraid.
3: That is the, that Mm -hmm. is the new training, right? Well, you know, as as if that's not scary enough, um, to pass it. Well, the test ends when the last person runs out of oxygen, that's when the that's when the test ends. Wow. So, like if you're the last person, you're like last man standing, right? But then you're not out of oxygen yet. Right. Like they're going to wait until you're out of oxygen too. (laughs) so so you don't even get a reprieve if you're the final one um but the first few are out of the program right um and it's not because they're dead (laughs) if if the trainee survives these scenarios in quote-unquote admirable and effective fashion then they finally receive that coveted in seven designation
2: wait so they don't even they don't even just get it if they survive they have to survive it admirably and effectively in order to get the designation like if they survive by the skin yeah. of their teeth then it's like well you survived too bad it wasn't but you looked kind of lame it kind of you kind of yeah you kind of lame you kind of lamed it out doing it i mean you just barely made yeah. it. it sucks to be you buddy
3: <laughs> look buddy you don't look like a biotic god to me yeah uh right <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh, you know, to my knowledge, no one dies. Right. Uh, But the first few who drop during that final test are out of the program. But Mm, there's no there's really no shame in that, because even being invited to participate in this contest is kind of a badge of honor. Um, And and we don't meet many in the series, right? We don't meet many in sevens in the series. But some characters that stand out are Captain David Anderson Mm -hmm. and James Vega. In fact, Anderson was the very first person to ever graduate from the ICT program and receive the in seven designation on his chest.
2: Yeah, it's pretty badass. Like when, once you realize that because you meet him early on in the series. But then once you realize that about him, you kind of I don't know. I felt like I, I got a new respect for him as a character in the series. Um, so Anderson and Shepard both graduated from this specific, insanely hard training program. And then they're assigned on the same ship together. So it seems, I mean, this is a rare designation. Is there some coincidence there?
3: Right. You'd have to think that there are really only a dozen maybe, or maybe dozens of them in the Alliance. So not a lot of people. And so, you know, I think it is. And I think the relationship that Shepard has with Anderson, which is special already, by the way, but I think it's strengthened by that bond. Mm-hmm. The whole, you know, we've been through enough of the same shit type of bond. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I, yeah. it brings people remarkably close. Trauma does. Right. And and actually, that's that's exactly what I talked to Mark Mir about.
2: Right. Right. That makes sense. I mean, we know soldiers in general grow that bond through their training, through serving together, through conflict together. But to have that on the scale of the N7 program would be even more intense, I would assume. Right. So, oh, yeah, yeah, that would be crazy. That would be even even more so. Well, I'm excited to get to this uh, this little clip that we're going to share from Mark and um, it's on the next part of the show. So first we have to get to the mid break and we've got a review. We're going to thank our patrons and then we're going to hear from Commander Shepard himself. So why don't we go do that so we can get to the rest of the show
0: message coming in patching it through. I am sovereign, and this station is mine. I like the sound of that.
2: Are you into the cyberpunk tabletop games or excited for Cyberpunk 2077? Are you looking to brush up on the lore, stay up on all the latest news and talk about the game when it comes out? Check out the Cyberpunk Lorecast, a show from Robots Radio with me, your host, Robots. We'll go over all the details you need to know about the world, characters, and story of cyberpunk. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. All right, so this is the part of the show where we get to thank our patrons for being freaking awesome. You guys are the best, all 41 of you, and that's just amazing. We have some new patrons and some upgrades to call out. Um, we have uh, Annalise J, Annalisa J, who has pledged and then also a michael b who has pledged and an upgrade from kdc so thank you to you guys for your upgrades and or your pledges and then we also call out every week our commander level shepherds pipe man sovereign and stagger and stumble thank you to all three of our tier five shepherd level uh, friends for helping to support the show and everybody else who helps us every single week. If we've done anything to help you get through your work day, your workout, your commute to work, or, you know, paying your phone bills because phone bills suck. You know, everybody charges too much for phone bills and sometimes they mess up your phone bills and you got to pay the phone bill by calling the phone company and then they put you on hold. And what better thing to do when you're on hold than listen to a podcast? So if we helped you out with that, then think about going to patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast to check out all the different tiers, starting with the beginning tier, getting your Ad free episodes, your episodes early and all the way to the higher tiers. where you get called out every week. You get to join us on future episodes and all that, all that awesome stuff. Also, let's check out our new reviews. We've got, I'm pulling it up right now. We've got a new review from DN75 in the United States who wrote, great way to learn more without having to dig through the codex. Everybody loves that, right? (laughs) It's just like, it's like easy mode on learning more stuff. So five stars from the U S says, this has been an awesome podcast to listen to. As I was the only one in my friends group that enjoyed the mass effect franchise. That is so lonely. That is such a bummer. i i totally feel you there. That's one of the reasons I started doing podcasts is because there's not many people in my like meat space. And that is M E A T space, you know, like human flesh space that uh, enjoyed so many of the games that i love so much so i was like i'm gonna do podcasts so i can meet actual other human beings in the uh digital space that i can be friends with uh they go on and say hearing all the lore and the connections is a great way to learn about the franchise enjoy the stories Well, thank you so much, DN75. We really do appreciate it. And if you want to help us out, we would love a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And all you got to do is just log in. Even if you don't listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, drop a rating and review. If you leave some words there, we will read it out on a future episode. And we really do appreciate it. So thank you so much. Sam, you have anything else you want to share with our patrons or anybody else before we move on?
3: Well, you know, I just wanted to say yet again uh, that I'm incredibly, you know, grateful to all of our patrons, all of our listeners, because like you just hinted at, one of the reasons that I started doing this show was to talk to people about Mass Effect uh, and just geek out about it. And so Mm -hmm. to be able to do this and get that level of support from the patrons and the community has really just been incredible. It's been crazy, you know, like we just started this podcast in, you know, last spring, right? Last March. Yeah. And now, uh, eight months later, we have Mark Meir appearing on the show, right? This is insane. I never imagined this. Uh, So it's been a hell of a ride. And uh, I just want everyone to know that it means a lot to me,
2: you know, every step of the way. Yeah, so thank you to thank you to all of you guys. Um, if it wasn't for you guys being supportive of the show, then we wouldn't be able to do this. So it really, really does come down to you guys and your support and your love, and we love you back. Thank you for being here. All right, let's move on with the rest of the show because we've got some cool stuff to get to.
3: Spit it out, or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir.
2: Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. All right, so our listeners know usually when we cover these lore topics we take them a little bit more slowly but we just we just had to speed through that beginning part because we just had to get to this other part so so tell me tell me sam how did you get a chance to talk to mark Meer? How, how did this work out
3: <laughs> see you know i well i knew in seven day was coming up and i really truly desperately wanted to hear from someone someone on the mass effect team so on a whim I just reached out to mark and asked you know he told me he was indeed pretty busy for in seven day but he said he could make time so Jaw equals dropped, right? Like (laughs) on the floor.
2: I was that
3: crazy. Crazy town. Why axis the jaw
2: increased by ten times?
3: (laughs) My jaw has completely detached. Um and yeah, so after after he like, even if it was a no, the fact that he replied, I was like already fan, you know, fanboying about. So this is insane. You have this iconic sci-fi actor and some random fan sends him a message. And he's like, sure thing. I was in shock, right? I'm still in shock, but all right, enough about me, right? In honor of in seven day, we asked Mark Muir this question about our two favorite in seven grads. Given that Shepard and Anderson share the designation, how did you view that relationship, both when reading the scripts and in playthroughs since then? What distinguishes them from other heroes in video games and works of fiction? And this is what he had to say.
1: Hey, Mass Effect Lorecast. This is Mark Meir. Thank you for having me. Your question was about the relationship between Shepard and Anderson, and obviously this is a very special relationship that goes beyond the relationship between a commanding officer and a subordinate, maybe even beyond the relationship between a mentor and a mentee. It's a very familial, very parental relationship, and this really hits home in Anderson's final scenes. Anderson's death scene is probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire trilogy, Jennifer Hale and I have both talked about how emotional it was, and the fact that we both had Keith David's performance in our headsets as we were recording really helps that. Because, let's face it, Keith David is not only one of the great voice actors of all time, one of the great actors of all time, but one of the great human voices in in existence. And so getting to play that scene with him was something really special. Unlike a lot of other fictional heroes... Shepard's relationship with their mentor is not at all antagonistic. It's very supportive, as I mentioned before, very familial. Anderson is clearly a father figure, and let's face it, the kind of father figure that we all wish we could have. It was an amazing scene, and Anderson and Shepard's relationship is one of the true gems of the Mass Effect trilogy. And uh, I think you also had another little request, so let me just fulfill that. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite lore cast on the Citadel. Happy N7 day, Specters. And I do hope you all have a very happy N7 day. Thanks again for having me. I should go.
3: I I should go. I love it that he ends with that. I didn't even ask for that part. So truth be told, yes, I did definitely request him to say, you know, I'm Commander Shepard and this is my favorite lore cast on the Citadel. Right. Um, Right. I never mentioned the I should go thing. That was 100% him. So I I
2: laughed out loud when I first uh, heard that through the audio clip. Oh, man, that's so good. It's so good. I love I love when. I love getting a glimpse behind the scenes, you know, and I love when uh, the voice actors talk about working with other actors because you always want to you always want to think that it's a big happy family. And it isn't always. But the professional respect, you know, the the you know, that professional respect and, and Keith David and saying like, oh, hearing Keith David's voice lines in my, you know, in, in my headset and being able to respond to that and then picturing their relationship and being able to like, because that's part of, uh, I've only done a little bit of voice acting in, in my career, which is nothing compared to these guys. But from what I've learned looking into it, there's so much more that goes into voice acting because you don't have the visual aspect. You have to convey every ounce of emotion and feeling through just the sounds of your voice and so you really have to be picturing what your character is feeling and feeling it and and, and imaging because you, you you don't see the character on the screen it's not like you're seeing what your what your character is going through in the environment in the game in front of you you're not that's not what the what the voice actors are doing they're reading a script and they're hearing other people voice the characters in their in their heads and oftentimes it's not even the voice actor's lines like being read by the other voice actor oftentimes it's like like a director in the in the booth in front of them going, you know, like, I don't think so, Shepard. Do you think we should go in there? You know, like, and not even emoting well, and they have to respond to that, you know, or maybe not even oh, no. that, because they're just like, read the next passage, you know, and... It's like, I don't know, getting that glimpse behind the, the scenes and just the I, you could you could hear the kind of a joy in his voice. And the fact that he would take some some time out of his day on a day like this, when I'm sure everybody is reaching out to him to say, hey, man, it's N7 day. We love you. We love the character you played, you know, like to be able to just take a few minutes out of his day and do this for us is just phenomenal. So thank you so much, Mark. This is this really means the world to us as just some of your fans and some people that you didn't know until like, Hey, a week or two ago, you know? So thank you so much.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. And, and and likewise for me too, you know, um, And I still can't believe it, really. I mean, I had already seen that level of interaction that he really puts in with the fans um, because I follow him on social media. And I had heard, you know, stories of other people who had met him before and said, he really is, you know, just super down to earth, no pun intended, uh, super cool. Um, But I think most people would be happy to see that he's nerdy just like all of us, right? (laughs) Right. He is. Uh, And I mean I mean this in the most sincere way. My, My childhood hero made the time to talk to us about Shepard Anderson and what he says is one of his favorite scenes in the whole series so and and, and so it just means like I, I can't even quantify it or qualify it or put it into words that would do it justice it, it really it means the world it means the galaxy to me <laughs> uh, You know. <laughs> and about Anderson and Shepard I have to agree with him you know, that bond is totally selfless and supportive, it seems. I talked about it briefly on a different show that we were actually both on before on the yeah. Pixel People podcast. Right. Um, so but if you've read the books and you've played the games, then, you know, Anderson is a guy who just gets beaten down by life. Right. I mean, his future looks so promising at some points. He graduates top of his class. First in seven ever giving every ounce of blood, sweat, and energy to selfless service. And yet life has other plans. His marriage fails. His entry into the specters is rejected. And Saren sets him up to embarrass humanity on a galactic level. It's not fair. Nothing about that is fair. And I've always felt for Anderson that I dreamed a dream from Les Miserables <laughs> might be personally poignant. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I know it's like a like a weird parallel to draw, right? But the lyrics of that song, the the feeling and the passion of that song, I feel like would resonate with Anderson and all the things that he's had to sacrifice. But mm-hmm. his experience perfectly sets him up to be a scorned villain, or at the very least an angry, bitter old man, shouting, you know, it should have been me at Shepherd," mm-hmm. But he doesn't do that. And that's not how he defines himself, right? Because when Shep—when w- Shepard is granted the distinction of becoming humanity's first specter, Anderson accepts a, for- a forced early retirement, but willfully, he hands Shepard the ship, the Normandy. Yeah. Anderson could have gotten indignant, right? He could have thrown a tantrum, refused to give in to these shady political moves, but he recognizes a losing fight where there is one and he suspends his ego. He sees in Shepard this potential to help people, to fight for what's right in the galaxy, and to do what he could not. So, we have yet again, Anderson picks himself up by the bootstraps. He dusts himself off, and he looks for the next mission. His sense of duty just doesn't allow him to quit, because that's what heroes do, right? And that's why both Anderson and Shepard make great heroes and probably the exact reason why they earned the N7 designation right there on their chest.
2: You know, it's what I see in Anderson, and maybe this is speaking as a father, um, but it, it's it's also the trait of a good leader. It's somebody who's willing to sacrifice for the greater good. It's somebody who's willing to sacrifice for the benefit of the people underneath him, um, not for his own glory. Right. Right. And this is something that you first see in good parents, whether it's a father or a mother, somebody who's willing to say, not me first, but the the greater good first, the benefit of my children first, that kind of thing, right? And, and this is the relationship you see between Anderson and Shepard, is that he sees the opportunity for Shepard to achieve the things that he never could. And so he's... He's looking at the bigger picture. He could just stomp his feet and say, well, it's not fair. It's not fair. This should have been me. It should have been me. But instead, he sees that he paved the way and he took the hits that Shepard never had to. Mm That's a
3: that's an amazing way to put it.
2: Right. Because and and this is what happens with parents and children, you know, for example, um, immigrants into a new country like the United States. Oftentimes the parents have to take the hits so that their children don't have to. So their children can go get the education, can get the better jobs and do those things. And the parents bear the burden so that their children don't have to. And Anderson bore that burden that humanity had to bear, too, at a time where when Shepard couldn't have because he wasn't he wasn't older. Anderson was older. He was the first and seven. He was the one who was in those shoes first. So he bore that burden. He was the one who was screwed over. He was the one who, who was, you know, worked up against. He was the one Saren fought against, not Shepard, because Shepard wasn't there yet. Had they been in opposite positions, had Shepard been the older person and Anderson had been the younger person, Shepard would have been the one attacked, right?
3: and that's that's it, it the truly switched. awesome thing about both of them because they, right. they both would choose that selfless heroic action right, right? They, right. they they would both do that. And so um I think it, it provides us a good reason to celebrate in seven day in that respect too, doesn't it? Because yeah. these are the ideals that we should be looking up to. Right. That type of right. I'm more concerned about everyone else and the greater good, like you said.
2: Right, right. Um, and it's not it's not about getting the glory of the universe. It's it's about it's about knowing that because of the sacrifices you made, your goal was ultimately achieved. The the mission was successful because you you furthered that goal. Anyway, that goal would Mm. not have been achieved had you not taken those hits, you know, and 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 seeing that bigger picture. And like Anderson should be proud of that. And Shepard is clearly thankful for that, you know, and and the people who are in the know are in the know. And they, you know, they would honor him for that. And that's what matters. That's the thing and that so, matters in the end.
3: And, and in the end, you know, speaking of Mark, Mark brought up the end scene with Anderson's death. And I think that that quote, that final quote from Anderson, I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. It, it goes hand in hand with something that Shepard says earlier in the games, which is, I won't let fear compromise who I am. Right. And Shepard never does right 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 uh, and that is probably the reason the if you had to pick one that's probably the reason why Anderson is so proud of Shepard right
2: yeah I mean think about it this way who are your heroes heroes if Shepard is your hero who is Shepard's hero Anderson's got, yeah. got to be one of them right
3: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it was so cool, like listening to Mark Muir, it sounded like the the reverence he spoke of
2: Keith David with.
3: Yeah. Right. Yeah. It almost sounded like maybe he is one of Mark Muir's heroes. Exactly. Which is like an awesome parallel.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. As an actor and a voice actor. Absolutely. That's that's an amazing parallel. That's that's yeah, that's absolutely right on. Yeah. yep. Well, um, you know, we still got some time
3: left and we have some big news that happened today.
2: Yes. So, Uh, so it was a little bit of a quiet day for N7 day, except for one very interesting release.
3: Yeah. yep. There was a tweet, uh, basically where, you know, I think I spent every second that I could on Twitter today and just celebrating in seven day and being genuinely hyped for tonight's episode. And then hours before we go live, the dev team drops this teaser, right? They said, here's just a little thing that we uh threw together for in seven day not a big deal big whoop <laughs> right. <laughs> right right but they they throw out this teaser uh on twitter and we can bring it up on the screen here Ooh, but it's a you big know,
2: image let me uh shrink this down for you so
3: yeah this is this is a big boy um. <laughs> oh yeah. It's a, it's a large image and, um, you know, fans were hoping that there would be some gi- giant grand reveal and this photo is a bit cryptic, right? Yeah. So we actually see a few things and I think we should break them down because it's easy to just glance at this and be like typical, you know, cinematic type of video game poster release, right. but that's not right. I think that we're given a little bit of uh, a few clues here. Um, number one there is a crater that looks like either an asteroid or a ship or some other large thing crashed into the side of a planet which looks like it might be a snowy or icy planet Mm -hmm. it's hard to tell Mm -hmm. uh so immediately i'm thinking is this the wreckage of the normandy sr1
2: some of the citadels you know wreckage post mass effect three okay so do you know what this looks like to me what does it look like to you? Okay, so if something, uh, if something crashed directly into the surface of this planet, this would be a completely uh, circular or mostly circular uh, shape. But it appears that something slid and then exploded. Because the bottom side of this is, there. there's a very large opening. So it looks like something slid yeah. from, the, from the bottom side of this forward and then exploded. And like maybe sat there on the ground for a little while and then exploded, which caused the circular radius. That's what it appears like. Also, um, there appear to be other smaller craters around, which means that either pieces of it flew up in the air and landed back down and continued to explode, which created these other craters, or this has been sitting here long enough that other other craters have happened around Mm. it. So either this is is a very old thing, or it was, a very large object that exploded big enough to create multiple craters
3: yeah i mean i think you might be onto something there and you might be able to see right there under the crater oh. there is a little speck and that's actually there's a corpse that's that's a yes. corpse that's not far from the crater and whose corpse is this you know like if you zoom in enough we might be able to tell, but not really, you know, now being the facetious, uh, detailed digger that I am, I jokingly asked Jennifer Hale and Mark Meir on Twitter if it was them, but obviously they can't reveal that kind of (laughs) stuff. So, yeah. So, you know, they get it. Um, and, but besides that, you know, when you zoom in that actually kind of looks like a geth,
2: doesn't it? Yes. I had the same thought. It's a very geth shape, especially because of the, uh, the body to neck to head, shape
3: to flashlight head. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And
3: interestingly enough, when you zoom back out all the way, the whole thing looks like a geth as well, which someone in chat here had just mentioned the crater being the eye of the geth. So it it really is uncanny. Oh yeah. 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 So i'm thinking maybe the geth will play a central role in the next mass effect game i'm not sure that's total speculation but number four the fourth thing that i really noticed was of the people that are there next to that spaceship one of them is definitely a krogan yes one is definitely definitely a krogan right
2: right the big Um, big chunky looking one yeah
3: oh yeah and there's definitely an asari which given the teaser that we got before maybe that's liara right Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of other people that I don't know who they are either. Maybe one of them is Solarian. I'm not. I'm not quite sure there. Um, however, the ship is interesting to note, right? The ship looks new. It almost looks like newer technology than existed in the Mass Effect universe, circa you know 2185. Yeah, which is has- interesting because it looks like technology more reminiscent of the Andromeda, uh, the Andromeda game. Uh which I guess was more cutting edge for the time. But it also has these three letters on it. You see that? It says SFX. Yes. I was curious about that. But then I looked at it and I remembered that there's a little known lore bit right here. The original name for the series that the devs tossed around was actually Science Fiction X. And they shortened it. They referred to it as SFX. So I'm thinking maybe that's just a placeholder. Doesn't really mean much uh the sfx thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um just because sfx was a placeholder for them before uh although if they wanted to get funny they could you know actually make it mean something now
2: yes yes um so uh big bills in chat says that the other uh idea for this uh, crater could be that something actually emerged from underneath the ground and crawled out Oh, that's, I like that idea. That's an interesting, I I didn't consider that perspective, but yes, that could be the case as well. So maybe.
3: Yeah, that man, that may be so, you know, who knows, but uh, there's obviously a crew there that's there to investigate something. Perhaps it kind of looks like they might be walking up to the corpse or maybe just to the, the crater itself. The other possibility I thought when I saw this was what if that's the effect of a mass accelerator cannon, one from the Reapers? Mm -hmm. What if that's the effect from one of the Reapers orbital bombardments with their lasers? You know, they drag it across the ground, right? Yeah. Um, that's totally possible as well. Uh, but yeah, those are kind of the speculations I have and the observations I have about this new teaser that was released today. And of course it does come with the text on the very bottom that says Mass Effect will continue. And that's just vague enough. just specific enough to keep us wanting more right (laughs) Right, um so i don't think we're going to get much yeah i don't think we're going to get much more for at least a little bit um maybe something more substantial in the next year but mike gamble did tweet you know this is just something to hold us over to let us know they're aware of in seven day they are working on the next mass effect game don't lose hope (laughs) that that kind of thing
2: yeah yeah so yeah. Oh, exciting stuff. Um, but yeah, I think this is one of those like, hey, we're just going to drop something. Don't get too excited because it's still a good two to three years out. So, yeah, that's
3: what yep. we got. Indeed. Um, so, and who knows, who knows if Mark Mir is going to be in it? I don't know. We don't know. <laughs> I
2: don't know. He didn't tell us, but he was nice enough to, you know, send us some inf- information about his thoughts on uh, Shepard and Anderson. So, thank you so much for yeah. that. <laughs> yeah,
3: and thanks you know thanks to all of our listeners, our patrons, and a very special thanks to Mark Mirror for taking that time to gush about the lore with us. You know, we I would love to hear more from him, and you know, of course, the other Mass Effect team members if they're interested in being on the show,
2: maybe in the in the future. Who knows? Absolutely. Um, anybody, any in fact, anybody who's worked on the projects having anything to do with Mass Effect, uh, writing, art, anything like that. Uh, whether you do currently work with uh mass effects stuff on any of the dev teams or if you did so in the past we'd love to have you uh contact us and potentially you know bring you on the show in the future so um there's an open invitation we'd love to pick your brains not literally because that's gross so and uh um, no, we're not Prothean. So. we're not Prothean. well sam you got anything <laughs> else going on you want to share before we head out?
3: Uh, well, you know, I'm going to stream some Mass Effect. Uh, it's now my, my schedule has changed around a little bit, right? So now Mondays and Tuesdays are my weekends. So that means right after this show, I'm, I'm free. Like I can stream some Mass Effect. So if anyone's interested. That's watching this stream and would like to join me for some mass effect and you can pick my brain about lore topics i'm very happy to chat while i'm playing uh awesome. so if you are just go ahead and follow me on twitch at in seven the legend uh and then you'll get that stream notification when i go live i do need to eat after this <laughs> after this lore cast so it'll be a little bit of a pause a little bit of pause be, but be fine. do you need to eat and um, yeah, and if you want to follow me on other platforms, I'm N7 the Legend there as well. Twitter, uh, Twitch, Instagram, pretty much anywhere you might be able to find me. I am
2: at N7 the Legend. Awesome, awesome. I've got the Cyberpunk Lorecast coming up next with a very special episode, and then after that, I was invited onto the DLC Podcast, which is a, a very popular uh, news video game news podcast, and that will be up in about an hour and a half from now. I'll be doing that after the Cyberpunk Lorecast. I'm doing three podcasts right in a row tonight. It's going to be nuts. Also, if you would like to hang out with me on any future game streams, those are happening on my YouTube channel now. So the Twitch channel is just for these podcast episodes. Go to the Robots Radio YouTube channel to join me every morning during the week for my video game streams and this week the skyrim anniversary edition comes out and i have uh everybody on my twitter account voting on which character we're going to make some this week and so i'll be starting a new playthrough and i'm going to be trying out a bunch of new mods and stuff to see how they work with anniversary edition and recommending some new mods so be ready for that as well and that's what we got going on there so thank you again to everybody for tuning in everyone for being here for the live episode i love seeing you guys in chat seeing all the comments and stuff thank you so much for sharing that stuff i wish we could read them all out during the show you guys are awesome thank you for being here and everyone who listens at home or wherever it is that you're listening thank you for listening and all of our patrons you guys are the best thank you for joining us we'll be back next week at our regular time 10 30 eastern 7 30 pacific sunday night we'll see you guys next time all right everybody see you later Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast, or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at Lorecast at gmail.com.
0: Hey there, my name's Jameson,
2: or Big Cat.
1: And I am Brenna, or Mother Goose.
2: And together, we are the hosts of
3: the DL, Weekly Gaming News.
1: Each week, we bring you the top stories from last week, as well as something you might have missed.
0: Our goal is to start a conversation about what's going on in the world of gaming.
1: And every week, we have a special guest join us in the chat room, where we discuss a different gamer related topic and learn more about our guests in the 60-second download.
3: And if that isn't enough, we also have Slim gyms.
1: So come and hang out with us every week and join in on the conversation.
0: Good luck and have fun, everybody. And remember, keep your goose loose. Hey Simone. Yes, Chad. What would you say is your favorite bad movie? Oh, where would I start? But probably at Zombie Strippers. Oh yeah, which we've actually done on our podcast, Fresh Tomod is the movie podcast. This is a podcast where we take some of the worst movies ever created and even some of those movies that you might have thought were brilliant but still got a bad critic score. And we say nice things about them because you know what? Someone put the effort in, so we're going to be there fighting in their corner. Absolutely, Chad. Even if the movie was total garbage, there are some makeup artists that gave it their all, and we're here to recognize that. Exactly. And with really fun themes every week, such as National Treasure Week, Weddings Week, uh, movies with Jeremy Irons and dragons in them. How could you go wrong by joining us every Tuesday and Thursday for some optimism in your life? And like we say at the end of every episode, we love you and there's nothing you can do about it. We love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Goodbye!